After receiving some highly sensitive files, the plot comes to a head. Mulder begins acting violently and erratically for some strange reason. The agents then find themselves at the center of an investigation that could lead to their final dismissal. This is not him. What are you doing here? Can we talk inside? I'm not feeling well. I didn't sleep well. Really not in the mood for the Three Stooges. I don't think we've been followed. Oh, who would follow you? A multinational Black Ops unit. Codenamed Garnet. Trained killers. School of the Americas alumni. You boys have been defacing library books again? They don't want us. They want him. Kenneth Suna. We think that's his real name. You've heard us refer to him as the thinker. What did he do? Hacked into the Defense Department computer system. Why? The thinker's an anarchist and a snoop. Whatever he got into has made him a very wanted man. Customs and immigration are on full alert. Every port of egress is closed. What are you coming to me for? In his last communique, the thinker named a meeting place and a three-hour time window. He asked specifically for you. The only problem is he may already be dead. Andrew. Yes, Mike. How are you today? Oh, man. Here we are. We're here. Never have to watch X-Files again after this. No, never have to watch the X-Files. Well, season two, at least. Episode 25, Anasazi. That's a lot, eh? I mean, is it... They don't all have 25 per season. No, I think this is the longest one. I think one. it is the longest If I... If I recall correctly, this is the longest one, season nine and season five. Or no, no, no. I think season nine is the shortest. Mm. Technically 19 episodes because the last episode is two parts, yeah. but it's, it turns out to be 20. One and three have 24. Four has 24. So yeah, they've got an extra one. And so the, the skill testing question has to be, which is the extra episode in season two? Which is the one, the Baker's Dozen episode? I think they were really gunning for fearful symmetry. They had high hopes for it, and they thought it was going to be fantastic. I think it was. And I think it was three. <laughs> I, probably I think was. they're like, uh, guys, I got an idea for an ep. We can just slide in between uh, Ascension and yeah, One Breath. Let's. Let's have a Mulder-only episode because yeah. Jillian's pregnant. Yeah. You're having a baby. Originally supposed to be a trilogy, uh, but just couldn't get Jillian in for uh, for one breath soon enough. Well, I'm excited. Yeah. This is the official end of the, the second season, and we are about to dive into season three. Yeah. And we all know the show just takes off in season three so many <laughs> so. good episodes in season three not that there haven't been good episodes in season oh two, absolutely but, not uh, i no. think the quotient of gooder episodes uh in gooder in three is, and goodest is a little bit higher than in season two some good ones in season two but they're really still figuring their shiz out in season two mm -hmm. you know and i would argue that Season three actually begins with Anasazi. Oh, yeah. The beginning of this arc, which will become a three-episode arc with the first two episodes of season three, is quite possibly one of the, one of the best arcs. Yeah. And I don't think there's a stinker in the three episodes. No. So, no. <laughs> I mean, I got some issues, as you might expect, with Anasazi. Absolutely. We all do. But, but uh, it's, not, uh, it's not bad. You know, I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Especially... Uh, if you put your brain on pause and don't think about a couple of things, then it's, it's, oh, well, that's it's fine. 
That's the only way to experience. <laughs> That's the only way to truly appreciate the X Files <laughs> is by just accepting everything, accept it, trust everyone, enjoy it, verify nothing. Yes, yes. So interesting. Uh, this one written by Chris Carter and and the story at least Chris Carter <laughs> and David Duchovny. Yeah. That's exciting. So I'm wondering yeah. if the story, because they do say in the credits, story by Chris Carter and David Duchovny and then teleplay by Chris mm-hmm. Carter. So obviously like, yeah. they had a pitch session that turned into a, you know, Chris Carter banging it out on his typewriter. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chris Carter apparently said that David Duchovny had so many ideas and he really enjoyed working with them mm. for this episode. And they feel that the episode ended the best way it could end given how much they wanted to do with it. Yeah. I think they succeeded for the most part in this episode. It, it really ramps up the tension of the mythology and uh, there are some revelations here that yeah. are amazing. Well, Bill, Bill Mulder, you know, in his moment. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, this episode, according to the Nelson ratings is just as popular as fearful symmetry. So I'm not sure what that says. <laughs> That means it means nothing. I think it means they were that excited means, for the X Files, and the Fearful Symmetry just happened to be on that night. So, yeah, exactly. It's Nielsen rating doesn't mean they liked it. It just means that's how many people were waiting for the X Files that day. <laughs> right. Ooh, oh, it's got to have an elephant. Uh, unfortunately, it was Fearful Symmetry. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of Chris Carter in this episode, including a cameo appearance. A cameo. Yeah. Absolutely. His one and only. The irony is I had to do a little bit of research to figure out which character he actually was. I mean, I had no oh, really? <laughs> I had no image of, of what he looks like. So I had to actually look for some mm-hmm. interviews of him to be like, oh, he's that nice. guy. Okay. I wonder if they actually darkened his hair. Because I don't think I've ever seen him without yeah. white hair. <laughs> yeah. Well, But he's definitely got like a dark gray in that scene. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, Andrew. Mm-hmm. I am ready to decode this episode with you. Oh, it's encrypted. Do we have the right it is encrypted. decompression filter? I'm going to call Kenneth Suna mm-hmm. and see if we can get this one cracked open. I think we're ready. I think we're ready. I think we're think, ready. Yeah. I think we are ready. Excellent. So, yes, as you stated, uh, written in part by Carter and David Duchovny, this one is directed by R.W. Goodwin. As they are all... For these season Gotta finales. roll out the big guns yeah. for the season finales. There are a a few recurring actors here. I'll probably get them out of the way right now. No, no, no. Uh, you have to do it when they show up. Come on. Okay, okay, fine. Fine, fine. I was trying to... All right. Don't you be efficient. All right, listeners. I will be interrupting the story to tell you when they show up. Are you kidding me? They've seen this episode 50 times. They know this episode. I know. Back. I know. They know. Yeah. But they don't know the guest actors. And they're, they're always like, I've seen him somewhere, or I've seen her somewhere, but I don't know where. The one and they go, really man, I wish I wish Mike from This Is Not Happening, another X-Files podcast, were here to tell me. It's true. And the people comment about, about it all the time. On the Yeah, I can't, I can't swing a dead cat without hitting someone who goes, Mike, I love how much work you put into this. I, I can't wait for your revelations each week. <laughs> I think you're stalling. I think you're just padding this episode out. So I'm padding this one out. out. Yes. Because <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, let's start the episode. <sighs> <laughs> let's start. Giant pause. We don't start. Okay. 
We open on the Navajo Reservation in New Mexico. A dog barks in the distance during the night. In a small house, a young man sleeps. Suddenly, the earth around him begins to shake, waking him. The next morning, he leaves to go riding his motorbike, but is warned by an elder that he should leave the snakes alone today because they'll be angry and afraid. With a quick moment from Eric, the young boy, he decides, yep, that's what a crazy man would say. But after he leaves, someone flicks a mind control switch on the elder, and he tells the other man eating breakfast that the earth has a secret it needs to tell as he stares meaningfully out the window. Mm. Yeah, it's a And then they flick the switch back. Yep. So Eric rides his bike through the desert into the mountains. He rides along cliff sides, the red rocks around him clashing with the green of the nearby trees. Despite it being a composite shot, the colors are actually pretty great here. It's a good I, I do composite like the, shot. Come on. In 1995? That's an excellent composite shot. I'm not saying. Yeah. It, it's very noticeable. It is pretty noticeable, though. Yeah. The kid parks his bike and peers down a ravine to see something white and flat peeking up from under the red of the stones. He goes to investigate and begins sweeping the dust and rocks aside to reveal something long and metallic. He rushes home to show people his discovery. Outside the house, a small group of people have gathered as his father and the elder step out. They all look down as the elder speaks in his native tongue and walks away. The younger of the men interprets. He said it should be returned. They will be coming. Just then, the camera cuts to reveal a dead, skinny, curled gray organism that resembles the form we recognize as an alien gray with large eye sockets and long digits. Credits. Clearly an alien. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. It couldn't be anything else. No. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, questions. Uh, do you think yes. Eric is, you know, his, his Indian name is takes snake torturer or something? Because it gets called out pretty specifically by Albert. It's like, leave the snakes alone today. And Eric's like, oh, okay. Put your sticks down. Stop stabbing them. Don't, don't stop flinging them around. Don't fling the snakes around. God. Yeah, I mean, he must do something with snakes yeah, because it's, it's a, so that is a weird coming. warning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and those are the most disinterested kids looking at this dead alien gray or whatever. <laughs> They're just literally standing there, not poking it with a stick or nothing. <laughs> well, um, that's because Eric wasn't out there. <laughs> <laughs> to show them how to do it. <laughs> let me show you how to poke a body. Well, let me show you how you poke shit. And I, the final thing I dislike about this scene, I, I mean, it's fine. It's a good X-Files open, sure. But the last thing I don't like is Albert speaking in Navajo at the end and it not being translated. It's like, episode, <laughs> you already set the rules when somebody speaks in Navajo. It's translated. It got a lower third. They had to give it that line. It must be returned. I mean, you can speak. They had to be like, "What do you say?" Yeah, that that dramatic shtick of like, "What did he say?" I mean, first of all, Uh, (laughs) that kid knows no words. I mean, honestly, (laughs) actually, he knows he knows words because earlier on in the room, he's he's told by Albert, "Don't don't mess with the snakes today." And the kid's like, "Oh, okay." Or does he say? He doesn't say anything. He he just kind of he gives that look, like I said. He gives the look like, that's a crazy man. Oh, he says it in English. That's why it's not translated. Choose a language, Albert, honestly. Choose a language. It's not the first time, I don't believe, uh, that they have someone who speaks a different language 
and sometimes it's translated yeah. and then other times it's not for effect. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this, this is, is one definitely of those instances. For effect and it's a little annoying. <laughs> a little Come on. Come on. Come on. We're we're 2 minutes in. And I will have things to say about that train car later on. I'm not going to say Oh, I will too. I will too. All right. After the credits, we head to Dover, Delaware. A man cosplaying as the average 2023 conservative sits in his home reading his shiny new copy of The 50 Greatest Conspiracies of All Time and taking notes like it's a textbook effect. Mm. His computer chirps as it is decoding something on its own. Suddenly it begins beeping. A hit. The man, visibly surprised, jumps up from his couch and an access granted screen is awaiting him. He exclaims happily to himself and shoves a dat tape into the drive to download his find. We go now to the UN. A well-dressed man walks hastily down a hall and knocks on a door. He tells the man inside that someone has broken into the MJ documents. The man in the office looks up concerned as the man relating the information looks like he's about to wet himself. Am I going to get fired? (laughs) They make a call. We cut to a Japanese man in another office on the phone and then to a German one, who declares this is their problem and hangs up. He then calls someone himself. CSM picks up, calmly stating he's already taken care of the problem. But when he hangs up, he addresses the room he's in, stating that that was the phone call he never wanted to get. So he was bullshitting the German. In the he worst, does a lot of that. In the worst I gotta German say. possible, by the way. It's, um, <laughs> that's phonetics Germany, you know. Uh, mm. Um. If this is the phone call he never wanted to get, why on earth would he leave the documents on a public server? Well, they kind of go over it. Yeah, somebody says with, yeah, they, with they Bill. were supposed to be destroyed. Well, they weren't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's just. Yeah, I will say I do like the uh, the focus on hacking as a very unsexy uh, activity. Especially oh, in the yeah. 90s. It's like, nope, you just set up an auto dialer and it sits there pounding away for hours until maybe you get lucky. It's probably a very real a- adaptation of it because, you yeah. know, in movies and everything, it's like someone at a computer screen yeah. under a single light and they're yeah. sweating at the computer. But and then that's they really say, not what I'm it is. In. I'm in. Yeah. Not the case no. here. And and I do like the genesis of the syndicate here. This this you know telephone game between the the, mm-hmm. the Japanese guy and the German guy and the Italian guy. But this was kind of the genesis of the syndicate, isn't it? It is, but it's. If I have to pick apart something, it's going to be that it's a little broader than it ends up being. Oh, in my yeah. opinion, like the syndicate members become very specific people, and yeah, this seems it, to be much more like. Illuminati all over the, the planet sky. yeah all over the planet yeah <laughs> so so that that's my only gripe with it is yeah. whether or not it's fact or remains fact is up in debate for me but it, it's cool scene mm. and I, I like the idea of it and then we as you say we got the genesis of what becomes the syndicate here so yeah always good yeah I mean, I don't need it all explained to me. I like that they're again trying a few things on to see how it works, yeah. and they're gonna they're gonna give us more defined evil bad guy characters, uh, even Absolutely. if they never get names. And I'm okay. I can excuse this in the grand scheme of things because they didn't dedicate a whole episode to yeah uh, this no it, and these people, you know. So so. Yeah. Us not seeing them again is okay. We can just assume they're part of the syndicate that we will come to know. That's right. They're serving a role here. 
Yeah. yeah, it's not like they're inserting a whole race of aliens that act differently <laughs> yes. than the other aliens that act differently in the show. <laughs> it's well, they all got one stuff. thing in common. They can't land a freaking UFO to fly a plane. Yeah. So in the next scene, law enforcement breach the hacker's door. They clear the home without finding him. The next day, Mulder's in his apartment grabbing a glass of water. He takes some pills as someone knocks on his door. It's the lone gunman. They hurry in and look out the window to see if they've been followed. Mulder hasn't gotten much sleep. He's surprisingly dismissive and annoyed by their presence. Frohickey hands Mulder a clipping of a man, Kenneth Suna, a.k.a. The Thinker. He hacked into the Defense Department computer system, and this gets Mulder's attention. Whatever he got into has made him a very wanted man. Customs and immigration have all been notified, and every port of egress is closed. I don't buy that. No, well, of course not. But, uh, you know, they're, they're just paranoid enough. I think it's quite the coordination and working together that you just don't see in government. <laughs> well, and, and how do the lone gunmen know that these ports of egress have been closed? I mean, like, they're not law enforcement. They don't have, I assume they don't have that kind of access. <laughs> well, maybe Mulder might on. have that kind of access. They're the lone gunmen. They can get anything. That's, Any information. That's true. I mean, the episode is automatically better for their presence, but... Absolutely. And is the, it's the first time that we reveal Mulder's apartment number is 42? I was thinking about that, and I didn't yeah. follow up on it, but I, I do know... It's something I want to look into. I don't have the answer for that, but I was wondering that myself when I was watching the episode. I'm like, is his number always 42? Mm. Uh, no. Maybe he moves apartment to apartment, you know. Keep a low profile. One person died in this one. Another person died in this one. That's right. <laughs> Just can't, can't stay in the same apartment. Yeah. Yeah. But the thinker has specifically asked for Mulder to meet him during a three-hour window somewhere. Just as soon as Langley posits the idea that he may already be dead, a gunshot rings out from down the hall. Mulder springs into action, grabs his gun. He runs down the hall in search of the source and comes across a gathering of people at an apartment door. The old woman inside shot her husband and is in a tizzy on the couch as someone tries to console her. The police arrive and take over the scene. And Okay, so I love this scene, this particular part of this scene. Not, mm -hmm. not everything works, but this part of just the spontaneous murder which makes sense later but in this moment yeah. right now makes zero sense like there's this mm -hmm. violent horrific act you know she knew him for 30 years her husband married for 30 years and now suddenly kills him she's freaking out like it is such a weird moment it's it's cool that it gets revealed yeah. in a a later scene but you you kind of go oh okay so now it's starting to make sense it's, yeah but they don't draw too much attention to it no it's just like it's it's a throwaway line by Scully, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. so that's why that happened. And well, and it's then a cool Frohickey's one comment of weirdness, you know, in the <laughs> weirdness. Way. It's so apropos. Oh, um, yeah. But I have a question for you, Mike. Yes, sir. The thinker specifically calling out for Mulder, say you're going to meet in this. I'd like to meet in this three hour window. <laughs> um, Byers calls it uh, the thinker's last communique. And I'm wondering, what is the mode of this communique? Because this is 1995. This is definitely years before blogs or uh, MySpace even. I don't think even that was out at this point. Like, where, how? Well, what is the mode of the communique? Is that a newsletter? I would say 
They have talked about emails already, and it is a thing at this point. It's not wide, widespread, right. obviously, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a digital communication between these people or be- between the hacker community and the X-Files that... Hosts to a website somewhere or a bulletin Yeah, board. it's... Even under pseudonyms, we know yeah. they use them, yeah. and we know Mulder's part of that chain. Maybe so, the thinker has like a 500-person distribution list on his email. Yeah, chain something like that. Yeah. Some sort of networking okay. before before it was a social network. And and finally, the uh, the police response that on that shooting? I had that in my notes, but I was like, I'll just skip that because, you know, it's it's obvious. They are timely. In this episode. <laughs> yeah, they are like on the corner going, what the hell was that shot? And then the moment Mo- with which they just sort of wander in, we'll take care of this. It's like, wh- what? <laughs> nothing to see here. Nothing to see. This yeah, happens every old week. lady shooting her husband of 30 years. Oh, everybody stand back. Nothing yeah, it was incredibly fast. Considering Mulder just got there from his apartment down the hall. It's like, who yeah. called the police and yeah. how the fuck did they get here? She called the police before. <laughs> I'm gonna kill my husband. <laughs> oh, that's great! I kill him. I want to play a game. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, she's Jigsaw. Yeah. Anyway, that's what this is now. So later on that evening, Mulder is in a botanical garden, walking, waiting. He sits and is then approached by the Thinker. He's frantic, but gets his story out to Mulder. What he's found is technically the Holy Grail. All the information regarding UFOs that the government has dating all the way back to the 1940s. He hasn't read it all, but he got what he could. The man himself is a little dumbfounded. He didn't expect to actually get in, but he's very worried because he took no precautions to <laughs> to cover his identity. So much for being the thinker if he's like not taking any precautions. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Well, he gets his. So. Yeah. The man tells Mulder all he wants is the truth and to make sure those rat bastards answer to the people, likely giving Mulder his first rager in quite some time. <sighs> Without a word, Mulder takes the envelope and the thinker disappears into the night. Okay. So, again, episode's great if you don't pause it and go, hmm. But if you think about it for like, all right. a second... <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll lay off that particular... Lay off the think. The think pun. Uh, so, doesn't this make a lot more sense that they are, in fact, hoax documents instead of being actual intelligence? Because, like, if they're so important, why are they on a public server where they could be hacked? So, honey trap material, right? Like, he, he gets them, he yeah. sends them to Mulder, Mulder goes off on a tirade, he becomes a crusader, and then he gets... I mean, they, they walk down that later... You know, on in the show, which is good, mm-hmm. but I buy that much more than I buy a whoops factor of oh, they should have been destroyed. But I guess somebody found they them, weren't. and then the thing yeah. not taking precautions like that doesn't really like he's supposed to be this really smart, capable anarchist, but then he comes out with this whole thing of like oh, I didn't take any precautions. Well, it's like the eBay thing. If you do any eBaying, you're like, should I really bid on this? <laughs> nah. It's more than I can afford right now. Oh, well, I'll just bid once, see what happens, and then you accidentally win the item. Yeah, yeah. And then you have to it. come up, <laughs> you have to come up with the funds, or uh, bad things are going to happen. It's true. The eBay police will come and break your legs. They will, and and they'll give us their money. The other part of this bit I don't like is where the thinker says he hasn't entirely read the documents. 
<laughs> you know, Mulder's like, have you read them? And he's like, not entirely. It's like, dude, if you skipped past the top secret page, you'll see they're all written in Navajo. Like, is this the he looked at He looked at all the headings <laughs> and said, okay, that's English. And that's about it. You know, I haven't read them, you know, not entirely. You know, I kind of just skimmed them. He just didn't want to come off looking like an idiot. He's oh. like, yeah, I, I read half of it, but I fell Dude, asleep. it's got top secret and Department of Defense in the front. Like, they're totally <laughs> legit. You f- you fight the power, man. I'm out of here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Poor thinker. He doesn't do a whole lot of it, despite yeah. his name. Yeah. All right. I finished tearing this one under. So Mulder heads to the office. He is excited. He dumps out the envelope to find a digital tape, and he loads it into his computer. Scully arrives to Mulder, telling her to come in and shut the door. He's excited. Oh, wait. Oh, this is this, this is, is huge. Yeah. Yeah. He tells her about what he's been given, and he slowly realizes that what's on the screen he cannot read. It looks like gibberish. Without warning, he suddenly swats the keyboard and items on his desk across the room angrily. He's tired of being fucked with. Andrew, this is a bad joke. Mm-hmm. During his tirade, Scully sits down at his desks and peruses the files. To Mulder's surprise, she claims that the words on the screen might be encrypted with Navajo, the only text the Japanese couldn't break during World War II. Legit. That's very, very That's cool. That is legit. Yep. And that is awesome. Yep. I, I love that kind of shit. <laughs> I like Scully's uh, legitimately scared reaction uh, mm-hmm. to Mulder's behavior. Like, she's never seen him act this way. Yeah. So she is definitely peaked. Like, w- w- what is going on? And And her being able to provide a clue to this document is, I mean, it's crucial because otherwise he is probably going to take his gun and shoot somebody at this point. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, he's got no, no reason to do that yet. No, no, he wouldn't uh, fly off. (laughs) He wouldn't do that. If she had not walked into this office at this moment, I think the episode would be over. Yeah. CSM would have nothing to worry about. He'd think it's bullshit. Oh, case case over. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. <laughs> Did you get some encrypted? Yeah, when he has his meeting with Skinner, and Skinner's like, "I've heard that you got an encrypted tape." He's like, "It's bullshit." Here, no, so it's puts bullshit. It <laughs> he gives it to him. <laughs> uh, well, problem averted. Yeah, they roll the credits. <laughs> Scully thinks she can get it deciphered. By the end of the scene, Scully voices concern about how Mulder is doing regarding his attitude. He assuages whatever concern she has by simply saying he's just not getting a lot of sleep lately. Which, as we all know, is a very real thing. You know, lack of sleep mm-hmm. leads to all sorts of emotional disorders. I'm oh, sure yeah. you're getting your seven hours, people. Absolutely. Let's stop right here yeah, for uh, an infomercial about the importance of sleepy time. <laughs> Out in the FBI halls, Mulder approaches Skinner, asking what he wants. And uh, Mark Snow's score here hangs on a tense, high-pitched string indicating trouble. Mm. When Mulder shows blatant insubordination towards Skinner, Skinner tries to talk to him, but he just walks away. As Skinner grabs his shoulder, Mulder hits him across the face with a closed fist, knocking his glasses clean off his face. Much akin to the fight with X... The two enter a physical scuffle, ending in Mulder getting bested real quick in a headlock. 
Skinner finishes the fight and sends Mulder on his way. Ain't no Skinner like an angry boss Skinner. That is. Yeah. I mean. It's intense. We know two things about this. And that is, A, Mulder is no match for Skinner. (laughs) None. (laughs) And B, this is a career ender of a move. Absolutely. What the fuck? But Skinner just like, just lets him walk away. There's no, you're a loose cannon, Magruder. You're suspended. Yeah, it would have to go down to Skinner. This, I don't know. No, I can't I, even explain I do, this one I away. Do, I do buy it though, because this is it's so out of character for Mulder. Yeah, yeah. And you he, want him? He knows that there must be something crazy going on here because this is not something that would normally happen. Absolutely. And Skinner is the type of the guy, type of guy to get to the bottom of something and yeah, at least hear Mulder out. I think he's just stunned, which is why he doesn't like, I want your badge and gun right now, you know? Yeah. But yeah. The fact that Mulder would do that in front of plenty of fellow agents is telling in and of itself. You know, this, this is not the Mulder he knows. Yeah. You know, something's going on here. So, well, and of course what sets off Mulder is the, he's, he's bringing up the tape, right? He's like, there's a rumor mm-hmm. you've got this highly classified tape and Mulder's like, no, I don't. <laughs> You've got the tape. And then he walks away and Skinner makes the mistake of touching Mulder on the shoulder. Yeah. Right hook. He just don't do that. So, yeah. Scully enters a boardroom full of her superiors. She takes a seat and is questioned about the incident in the hall. She has no insight into Mulder's behavior other than his lack of sleep. When she refers to Mulder as her partner, she's called out by a higher-up who is none other than Chris Carter himself in a lovely cameo. So, a boss on-screen and off-screen. Yeah, she can't escape it. He asks her if she would lie to protect him. Another man tells her about Mulder's scheduled disciplinary hearing, and if they learn that she's not telling them something important, and it comes out in that meeting, she will be fired, essentially. Yeah, it's a real nice moment here, right? Like, this is, we're only about 13 minutes in, and they are setting the stakes. They're like, if you guys can't fix this, you're outsy. So we've got two agents here that are recurring actors. Michael David Sims, the FBI agent at Scully's Inquiry. Uh, He's got several episodes, including The Blessing Way and Avatar. He's the, the guy who, in Avatar, he's really trying to nail Skinner. Not in a sexual way. Kill it, killing the yeah, killing the hooker. Yeah. Anyway, and then Ken Camero Taylor, we've seen several times uh, as the senior agent during this inquiry yeah. and uh, Redux to one and two. I think and he's, so he's uh, credited as the third man or something, the third agent. Yeah, yeah. something weird like that. It is pretty weird. Uh, question: Do you mm-hmm. think? Uh, I mean, we've had Scully come up here for a little meeting. Do you think that they had Mulder in for a meeting? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think that's the meeting that they're talking about. You know, Mulder's got this inquisition later. Yeah, he's been informed. We left a message on his machine. I think they're trying to, it's like they're trying to get their information. They're trying to get facts from other people who may know him and they can go in loaded with answers of their own, you know. Because Scully's been writing her reports, you know, she's been taking little notes. So, uh. She's got the inside track on Mulder's brain. Nice. Yes. 
Wow, that is quite a scene. And that Chris a, Carter gets his scene. cameo. Yeah. yeah, and he he does a good job as, a, as mm-hmm. the actor there. He looks, uh, you know, appropriately concerned. You refer to him as your partner. Weren't you uh, hired to debunk his work? <laughs> Gotta be honest, uh, I think I've heard this story. <laughs> I think I may have written your dialogue. <laughs> After that meeting, we head to West Tisbury in Martha's Vineyard. Bill Scully answers the bell at his door. We get an amazing silhouette before he does that, though. Yeah. It's awesome. The surprise is, it's CSM, who greets him friendly-like. We agreed you would never, he says. And then CSM cuts him off. That was a long time ago. Fast forward, the two men share a drink and discuss the technology of the day and the position it has now put them in with the leaked documents. So I guess to answer your question, they just didn't assume. This is their way of not assuming the commercial success of the home computer and networking. Maybe that's kind of... To the episode's credit, they they proffer a reason, or they they don't just let it hang out there, this this Mm -hmm. question of how on earth would this extremely sensitive document be publicly available. And I I do buy that in this time, you know, the technological nascency that it would be feasible that it could Mm -hmm. be stored somewhere. What it says is that this organization that the cigarette smoking man is a part of is, is not perfect. You know, they, they are at times sloppy and uh, thick headed and stubborn and just irrational and impulsive. And in that spirit, they can make mistakes. And this was one, you know, the document was put in a place it shouldn't have been. And they just didn't imagine that somebody Mm -hmm. could come in and hack it and take it. So, And to bring it more into focus, we're talking about 1995 networking. So to, to put it in a little bit of perspective, I'm a huge gamer. I'm sure you know that. Doom, Wait, do D-O-O-M. You, do, do you have another podcast, Mike? I have another podcast. What do you, what do, you do in that podcast? I review video game soundtracks oh, that's like a, a nerd. Cool idea. I think so. People should really listen to those episodes. They should. They don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, what I was going to say is, this is 1995, I believe Doom came out in 94 or late 93. I believe it did. Yeah. And, and the idea of the deathmatch was very new. And, and the idea that you could link up with other people from wherever through your phone line was high tech for the day. So the government maybe not recognizing that this is going to become a, a major household appliance. Yeah. I could kind of believe it. Yeah. But like you said, it's, encouraging that they actually tried to explain it away a couple times yes so they they know there's a hole there you know yep. the They're, writers understand yeah i and i like that they they have the csm tease out the detail a little bit to be like who could have imagined that uh you know those computers that uh, we used in sending uh you know it doesn't say this but basically saying that we used to send a rocket to the moon are now on somebody's uh mm-hmm. you know desk you know and they're they're as powerful and they can do all this stuff that Uh, Anyway, to your point, I like it. Bill Mulder asks if CSM would ever harm his son. And here we hear that CSM has protected him this long, Mm -hmm. indicating all the crap he's shoveled onto Mulder has some some form of protection. 
So reasonably at this point, Andrew, it's Mm. here that we could surmise that the golden rule when dealing with those pesky X-Files agents, don't kill Mulder unless you want a crusade, could be a little bit enlightened here. Or he could be lying his ass off. He could be lying his ass off, but he does go on to say, you know, there's no point. Again, he talks about turning Mulder into a martyr. Ex- yeah. You know, in the very next line. So he's he's pretty mm-hmm. clear on the principle of like, the uh, Fox Mulder has accumulated a, a lot of allies. You know, taking him out would cause too much noise. You know, they don't want to interrupt mm-hmm. the, the plans of the syndicate by just shining a spotlight on, on Mulder's activity. So they can't turn him into a martyr. I, I buy all that. And I, and I yeah. think this conversation is very good. And the pacing with which Bill Mulder delivers his lines and the uncertainty, mm-hmm. it's a masterclass. Like you can see there's so much going on in that head. Yeah. And to put a little bit more on that, the only other time we've seen him is in a very awkward meeting with Mulder. They don't get along. Yeah. But here we see him very caring about his son and what happens or doesn't happen to him. Not that he shouldn't, but yeah. that it feels a little different than the last time we saw him. He he truly does love his son. Well, so he's worried about his safety. He's such a stock conservative father, you know, 90s mm-hmm. father. It's like, I, I can tell everybody else how proud I am of my son, except my son. You know, I can't show <laughs> weakness in front of my son. You might yeah. get ideas. Um, right. But no, I, I I dig it that you can see he's, well, I think he's most concerned for you know, Fox's health. You know, he doesn't want him to die. He's already lost one kid, but he's also super concerned about the truth of his involvement, of Bill's involvement yep. in the, in the Absolutely. files. Absolutely. Coming out and that Fox becoming aware of it. Like the, the big that, secret that- obviously is that, you know, he gave up his daughter Mm-hmm. He doesn't want that secret to, to become known. That's a big one. That's a doozy, Andrew, as we call it in the business. So finish at the scene. I have another question. <laughs> but, uh, please. At the end of their meeting, CSM compliments his friend by telling him he's always been his own man. But should Mueller ask about his father's involvement, deny everything. He gets up to leave and Bill takes another painful swig. So my question for you is this. What is the cigarette smoking man doing here? Why has he come here? I think he's feeling his friend out for his next move. And he is not encouraged. Let me just put it that way. So you think he is basically saying, don't tell your son a goddamn thing. I think, yeah. I think he's feeling out his friend, Bill. They used to work together. They, they haven't always seen eye to eye, but he doesn't want to just kill him. And this is his way to see where he sits. And he can see on his face that this is eating away at him. So he thinks it's, in CSM's head, he's like, this guy is a loose cannon. He's going to tell him all or everything. Yeah. This is his chance to to see if he needs to worry about Bill. Absolutely. Yeah. by the end of the scene, I think he does. Yeah, I, I think there's a moment in this scene where he knows he's going to have to kill Bill Mulder. Mm-hmm. And that this is a last meeting. And I think it's probably when he puts that hand on the shoulder, you know, he's yeah. like, yeah, you're looking great. Uh, keep up those, uh, keep up that Pilates. It's doing great things for you. You'll live to nice be a hundred. Probably. <laughs> Unless something kills you first. <laughs> like cirrhosis of the liver. You see the size of those tumblers they're drinking. Yeah. Anyway, killer that scene. A, that killer is a big scene. glass. Killer scene. 
So we cut back to Mulder's apartment. He's asleep. Scully interrupts him, startling him to grab his gun. She calms him, saying he has not answered his door. So apparently she was trying to get a hold of him. He wasn't responding. He was in a deep sleep because he's sick. He took a sleeping pill. (laughs) Yep. He had taken another pill. He's running a fever. She lets him know about her meeting. She wants to know who knows he has these files. She had to put her job in jeopardy today by lying, and she wants to know if the cassette is worth it. All of this trouble. Mulder snaps, having enough of the back and forth, and demands to know who he can talk to about getting the files decoded. She is meeting with someone in an hour, but is very concerned that this will be the nail in the coffin. Yeah. It's just like, (laughs) I'm meeting someone in an hour. Stop being such an asshole. Stop it! (laughs) This scene of him being completely irrational is, again, so good in its position. Like, it doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense, because we've had two seasons of getting to know who this guy is. We can accept that he's being uh, run ragged by this particular Mm -hmm. direction. You know, the plot doesn't make sense. He's he's under the weather. So there's a lot you can ascribe to. That's these are probably reasons. But yet, they're partners. They've been through so much. Why is he being such a jerk to to mm-hmm. Scully? And again, it makes sense later because it's that plot gets resolved. But uh, I just like how it's positioned here, and that it really it makes us oh, yeah. concerned about the relationship between these two characters. Will they ever find love? Will they ever find love? But it, it continues to get strained. At least for a little while longer. They they have a back and forth and Mulder is losing his mind. (laughs) Sure is. But he raises the blinds on his window and he puts up his trademark X to call his informant. Before she leaves, she asks why he attacked Skinner. And Mulder has no answer. He can't figure it out himself. Which is amazing. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Because it, it just goes just a little bit further to show he is not himself. So he sure isn't. He's somebody else. At the offices of the Navajo Nation, Scully meets with a woman who can read some of it, but will set her up with a man who is a code talker. We last saw her in shapes as Gwen. Gwen, if you recognize her. Sure has come up in the world. Yes, this is Renee Morisot. And this is her last appearance, unfortunately. Yeah. Now, boom, boom. do you think that this is Gwen who, like, got out of the reservation? Yes, yes. She she finally left the reservation, and she she's decided she wants to work for the suits this time. That's right. And oh, well, no, 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 no. She works for the office of the Navajo Nation. She's she's still working for her, you know. Well, true, the, but the she's, she's she's a, a government. Yeah, she's a different suit. Who does she present herself as? Let's give her a name. Um, her name, oh, this could go all sorts. Her name is Jane, clearly. Jane. Okay. Yeah. Jane Goodensnake? Jane Goodensnake. (laughs) (laughs) She she doesn't quite have the, uh, the covert new life thing nailed down, but, uh, yeah, this is her new Jane pushes paper? Jane pushes pencils. Yeah. Yeah. We are on top of it today. (laughs) We are on fire. (laughs) She does identify words like goods, merchandise, and vaccination. Modern words that stand out to her. Hmm. I, I like that. 
kind of dislike that it's like they're too well no i guess what i dislike is that she can conveniently translate some but not all you know the plot can only progress this much and no further yeah but they do give you a reason why and that is because they're modern words and they stand out so that's fine but i don't know if i'm certainly no expert on uh languages i would just imagine that how can you know some words but not you know other words <laughs> like mm -hmm. like yeah it is it is unclear yeah and it, like you i don't know the ins and outs of that but it does seem a little convenient it raises a little <laughs> flag for me and i think it's i mean this whole episode is is designed around certain things it's designed around the end and work back mm -hmm. it's designed around the the cliffhanger ending of what is the status of Mulder uh, is designed around certain revelations coming at certain times. So you, mm -hmm. you know, the plot has to progress in a certain way. I just feel like it's a little clunky at times. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree with that. They had a lot of cool ideas, nifty ideas, yes. but they had to make them work and in a way trouble. that, yeah. yeah. So in Mulder's apartment, he receives a call from his father. He's still drinking and summons Mulder to his home. It's very important. Mulder leaves. Later, Scully arrives at Mulder's apartment. It's a little bit of a weird scene. It's very quick. Yeah, yeah. Scully arrives at Mulder's apartment and is shot through his ex-window. We hear a car speed off. Luckily, because she's, you know, a star, she was only graced. Serious plot armor, yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. She's got a little bit of blood on her hairline, but that's about it. So when that's when you say uh, X window, do you mean it was formerly a window and now it's not, or do you mean the window? No, the no, I mean the X window, the, the window with the X tape. <laughs> so the X tape window that becomes an X window. I mean, it will be an X Muller's apartment window. That's true. After tonight, so yeah. Yeah, you have to move window. apartments. Yep. <laughs> Scully got shot in this apartment. Her, bad her sister's about to get <laughs> shot in another apartment. Bad feng shui. Yeah. Oh, man. So, at Bill's house, he struggles to find words for his son. What is it, man? Come in. so complicated then the, the choices that needed to be made what choices dad you're a smart boy fox you're smarter than i ever was about what your politics are yours you have never thrown in. The minute you do that, their doctrines become yours, and you can be held responsible. You're talking about your work in the State Department. You're going to learn things, Fox. You're going to hear the words, and they'll come to make sense to you. What words? The merchandise.
Look, I, um, I've been taking some medication. Uh, <laughs> you'll have to excuse me for a moment. His father adjourns to the bathroom for a moment. In the cliche mirror gag, he opens the medicine cabinet, <laughs> and when he closes it, we see Krychek standing in the shower. A gunshot. A car speeds off as Mulder tries to tend to his father. With a bullet to the side of his head, Bill pleads for forgiveness and passes away in Mulder's arms. Wowza, oh, Andrew. Wow. What a Wowza. Moment. Mulder cries over his father. Yeah. It's on the bathroom floor. A big, big, big moment. Okay, so... I really like leading up to this. We can see that inner turmoil of Bill oh, just yeah. eating away at him. It's a big moment for... for um, What's the actor's name? Donut is, is his... Uh, yeah, yeah. Is it Peter Donat? I think. Anyway, he's he's brilliant. Uh, this this he everything he's doing in there is is really good. Um, mm-hmm. I have a little, little bit of an issue with some of the elements leading up to this scene, mm-hmm. and I don't think I'm the first person to point this out. But do you know the distance between the fictitious location of Mulder's apartment in Alexandria, Virginia? Uh-oh. And Bill Mulder's house in West Tisbury, Massachusetts. Would you like to know the... Uh... Well, hold on. Okay. Before you get on this, maybe he hired the bounty the bounty hunter to teach him the ways <laughs> of travel. Because he made it from the Arctic Sea to, you know, the eastern seaboard. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the only way this works. So, I, I actually yeah. did a little bit of research on this. All right. Travel expert Andrew. All right, so it is over a nine-hour drive from Mulder's apartment. <laughs> it's still dark out. And it's, well, what time do you think it is when he's at the X window? Uh, uh, let's just be nice and say that it's, it's 7 April. o'clock. It's April, so... Okay, so, so 9, 10? <laughs> so let's say it's 7 o'clock at night. Okay, so... Okay, so nine-hour drive... Mm-hmm. Uh, full tank of gas, no stops to pee or eat or anything nope. like that. It's straight nope. nine hours from seven o'clock means he is there at 4 a.m. <laughs> okay. Which brings him to, um, <laughs> he's going to Martha's Vineyard, which is an island. So you actually need to take a ferry. Take a ferry. <laughs> yeah. You need to take a ferry from Wolfhead or something. I remember the name of it. And, oh uh, Maybe it was different in 95, but right now, uh, first ferry is at 6 a.m. So that's unfortunate yeah. for Mulder. <laughs> and it's it's a 45-minute ferry ride. So, you know, a little travel time. He's going to be there well past 7 o'clock. And at April 1995, well, April every year, uh, the sun's been up since at least 6 a.m. <laughs> Not just in 95. <laughs> just in 95 just in 1995 the sun would be up yeah now. that's right so i question uh, again i don't think i'm the only one who questioned the nine hour transit time it would take him as we would assume shaky sick Mulder would you know motivated in this way just sort of jump in the car and go but technically there are three airports on martha's vineyard and it's only 383 sort of direct miles from Washington National Airport. So he could have, has he got a friend Flown who can do a spontaneous there. charter flight? You know, it's only an hour and a bit to... to I'm telling you, it's the bounty hunter. <laughs> he's just 
stuck his thumb he's out and got a ride. He's throwing caution in the wind. He's like, fuck it, I'm still going to fly. So Even I, though I crash everything. Mike, I put it to you to find an appropriate sound effect for this momentous occasion because I believe we have identified a plot hole. <gasps> Uh-oh. Because... Yeah, I suppose that's yeah, fair. I because think so. I think the X-Files fair. is known for covering grand distances yeah. in, in amazingly short amount of time. Yeah. I think of Tunguska and Terma, where they fly across the map several times. Yeah. In the span of an episode, and make it back to the hearing in time. And they need to, <laughs> like, they need to do their legend better, you know, to say the next day or you know what they give us some timeline. They should just infuse the X Files with Indiana Jones in these yeah. moments. It, the little uh, trick ticker on the map. <laughs> yep. Okay, so another point: Who do you think shot at Scully? I was thinking about this as well. It had to be, and I don't want to spoil anything for anyone else, but I'm going to say Louise Cardinal. Oh, well, that makes so much more sense, because it sure wasn't Krychek. It sure was not Krychek. If it was Krychek, he made it even better time. <laughs> he, between... is using, he is using the teleportation devices used from uh, uh, alien be. technology. Yeah, yeah, that's the only way that works. But Bill's cryptic answering i mean it helps that fox is sweaty and uh you know feverish because he's not a great conversationalist either either at this point Mm -hmm. but this whole business of like you're going to hear the words and they're going to mean things to you what words you know it's just like the writers didn't want to say too much because they don't know what they're doing (laughs) but they they want to allude to big things and then Pull the rug out from underneath us because yep. Bill is is executed before he. And you know it. what? I'm okay with it. Only not because it's the X Files, but because it yeah. actually makes sense. This man has been struggling with this for twenty years at this point. Yeah. Not just that he was involved in something, but ever since he gave up Samantha, right? Yeah. So he doesn't know how to say these things to his son. He's admitting. Mm. You know, his, his wife knows, but. That's a completely different story. He has not told his son, yeah. who has spent his life looking for his sister. And if if he were to find out that his father was behind it in some capacity, yeah, that is the end of their relationship, most likely. And yeah. I think, again, you know, obviously he cares in a conservative way about his son, but he doesn't want to hug him. He's not gay or anything. Well, he does He's not... hug him when he comes to the door. No, I know. <laughs> I'm just trying to paint a picture. Um, no. Yes, I I don't like the foil of using Krychek as the villain here and, and setting up this whole dynamic of, you killed my father, prepare to die. You know, that it just, maybe this is the, the beginning of the trope. I, I'm sure it's not the first time it's happened, but it just feels like an easy way out and just so like you're about to get the truth and then it's snatched away from you in typical X-Files fashion. It just... I mean, would it have been better if he? What What is your problem? Is it that it is Krychek or that he dies? Period. No, no. I I think he's unfortunately destined to die. I think that the better way out, though, is that he he shoots himself. Oh, he just he yeah. just goes to ask. So eh. I think he's like, I'm glad you're here. I love you, son. I've got to go into the other room to do something, as opposed to this <laughs> thing of I've been taking some medication. It's nine o'clock and I've got to take my pill. Be right back. You know, it's that. I've got to take my Metamucil. <laughs> yeah. 
this medication's giving me diarrhea. I've really got to go. Yeah, it's just so... Uh, it's a little bit cringy. It would be much more tragic if he killed himself because he would... That's his character. He can't live with the grief any longer. Yeah. It's coming to a head, and instead of facing his guilt head on, he chooses to end his life. Except that does take away a huge element of the plot where this whole business of Mulder <laughs> being framed, you know, maybe yeah, he's... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't think that's especially solid as a plot point, but I just think it would be more poignant if if this was Bill's way out. You know, he just can't mm-hmm. live with himself anymore. He wants to see his son to, to say the things he wants to say, to tell him he loves him, but ultimately... I think we're talking about a different show. And I mean that with respect. I, I mean that, like, I, I like your idea, and I think it would be great, but I think it would be better if we had spent real time with Bill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was a character we cared about. Yeah. At this point, we this is a second episode, and we don't know him very well. Sure. So, eh, if he chose that route right now, it'd be like, oh. But if he chose that route, and we knew him... Yeah. And we're like, okay, this is a character of the X-Files that's really important. Yeah. It would be a little bit more dramatic and a little bit more powerful, I think. Yeah. But, yeah, that's yeah. true. I mean, he's just used as a foil now. You know, he's he's yeah. he's meat for the for the grinder of of mm-hmm. Mulder's quest. <laughs> and this Oh boy. There are a lot of people who become meat bags <laughs> because of Mulder. <laughs> well, and then the very death. And far and beyond the uh, the tropey, you know, the the mirror is clear. Open the cabinet and then <laughs> close it, and then suddenly Crycheck is there. And then there's a man in your shower. This happens to everyone. I mean, Andrew. God, the times it's happened to me. Whew. Yeah, but if uh, if Crycheck really shot him in the temple with a nine millimeter, I'm sorry, Bill's brains are splattered all across he that mirror. Dead. He's dead. So. Like, you got to, yeah. In the 90s. You got to love TV, man. Yeah, the TV tropes in the 90s for guns are thus. You're either grazed, like Scully just was. And or you're, you're fucking dead. <laughs> yeah. Or you're shot and, you know, to save on effects money, you just fall over and you're instantly dead. There is no trauma center. Yep. But the script has allowed him to be alive enough to utter a so sorry but dead enough that he's not going to tell him the big reveal. So right. he's he's dead because the script demands that he's dead. Yeah. I'm totally with you on the gunshot. He would be dead. He, he's yeah. There is no talking after that. Yeah. But I do like the, the please forgive me yeah. thing that he says sure. to Mulder because it pushes it forward in a way that's like, all right, this guy's guilty of something. <laughs> Yeah. Whether or not they knew exactly what it was going to be is up for debate. But. I mean, it's there because it's a little bit necessary to be there. It's Again, for freaking character. Poetic. But yeah. I don't have to like it. No, no, I totally understand. Yeah. Bill gets shot in the head, Andrew. Yeah. Mulder you runs to help, that. but cannot. He can't put a bandaid on this one. So yeah. after a commercial for migraine relief, Mulder <laughs> has taken his father from the bathroom to his couch. And I'm not really sure. Yep. I'm not really sure that's a great idea, Mulder, uh, but okay. He's he's not a smarty. <laughs> let me let me just tamper with evidence. <laughs> well, he's not in his right mind, admittedly. Let me, I know, I know. I'm just fucking... On the phone with Scully, he tells her that they shot him. He's dead. She implores him to leave the scene, and given his recent behavior, he would be a prime suspect to blame. 
I really like that her first question to him yeah. is, were you arguing? Yeah, that's so good. It shows that despite their friendship and everything they've been through, she's very aware of his behavior lately. <laughs> she, yeah. She needs to ask the hard questions whether she wants certain answers or not. Yep. You know, he slugged his superior in broad daylight in the FBI hallways in front of everyone. Maybe has his anger has escalated just a little bit. So, Muller, just, just total aside, but uh, were you fighting? <laughs> Did he say anything that pissed you off? Do you have your service revolver with you? Where's your Walter PVK? <laughs> Again, she begs him to leave the scene because he's already a suspect. Staying there will only get him in more trouble. Everything right now is pointing directly at him. When he brings up the fact he was shot with someone else's weapon, Scully indicates Mulder's an FBI agent. You can get your hands on another weapon. It's not going to hold up. So she tells him he can't come home and mentions that she herself was almost killed. Just kind of graze over that one. It's, yeah, bury the lead. Uh, oh, by the way, I was almost killed. Anyway, moving on. Listen, don't uh, don't feel guilty, but I was at your apartment. and I was shot. Killed. I lived. Your dad's a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I was shot in the head, too. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, do you think your dad's got a tongue? I was shot in the temple, too. Um, I, I appreciate Scully's logic, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I buy it. Like, what's the worst mm-hmm. that happens if he calls the police in this instance? I think he would be immediately arrested or, or at least questioned for hours and hours. Where's the gun? I mean, I, I suppose he brought his gun. Yeah. I think the idea is that if, if he calls the police now and puts himself in the investigation, he can no longer effectively fight for his defense it would just become a he's the only suspect at this point whether or not he did it and whether i mean that's a whole different show in itself but but yeah i think it's just get away from it you know you're already going to be considered a suspect so let's just try and help you now this way uh, instead of i don't know yeah okay i I really don't know but remember he's in massachusetts (laughs) he now has Uh to Take a ferry to her back apartment. <laughs> and then drive nine no, 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 hours. No, 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 no. Well, that's, that's why it's morning when he gets to her house. That's the sun's up. Is it even? It's daytime. <laughs> it's daytime. It's daytime. She's been waiting there all day. Oh, man. It's one whole day. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't know. Yeah. It's... He does some uh, really, really fast flying. Mike? I don't know how he does it. I'm with you. Yeah, okay. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Boy, hour in, we're only halfway through this episode. Yeah. Okay, so he arrives at her apartment. He collapses into her arms. Sick. She puts him to bed. Oh. oh alone, eight. Andrew. Did alone. Did your temperature rise a little bit? Tell you what rose, sir. <laughs> Spring. Too much information. No. In the morning, she's at the FBI range testing his gun with another agent. She's doing the appropriate thing, and while she wants to believe her partner, she needs to be sure. Mm-hmm. Mulder awakens, cannot find his gun, and calls her. This conversation escalates, and despite her logical reasons for taking the weapon and testing it, to give answers to her superiors in case she gets questioned, he accuses her of working with them the whole time, taking her little notes. Taking her little notes. He tells her she has his files, his gun, 
Do not ask him for his trust. Oh, boy. Because he should trust no one. That is Trust advice. no one. Starting with Scully. So, uh, Mike, got a question for you. Yes. The next morning, April 14th, as the legend tells us, yeah. Mulder awakens in naught but his boxers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, who, uh, who took off his clothes? Scully was tugging at him. Yeah. So, off screen, are we led to believe that Scully disrobed? Mulder. Oh, yeah. Can you visualize that scene? Would you like I'm to describe visualizing it, it right now. <laughs> was it to some accompanying music, or was it just cold mechanical? Closer by Nine Inch Nails. Oh. <laughs> 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 Moving on. Moving on. Yeah, Moving good. on. Sounds good. Okay. Where are we? I don't even fucking <laughs> I don't even know where we are anymore. <laughs> okay, okay. Later on, she does some more investigative work. She takes the bullet out of Mulder's wall for further testing. She spots a white van outside and a utilities man wheeling a cylindrical tank out. She heads to the basement of the apartment complex with her flashlight. As she scouts around, she notices a brand new tank that looks different than all the others. In a cute scene telling, you're an idiot viewer. Mm-hmm. Hey, these are all new. <laughs> these are all old pipes. And this one is new with new couplings. Yeah, the camera just goes from one to the other. It's, it's not <laughs> like we didn't see the guy taking <laughs> right. a tank away. We had to be told in yeah. multiple fashions that something's up. This is the one. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't bring out a little thing that sort of did a photograph. Uh, of, of the two tanks, and <laughs> then she <laughs> took, it, took it to the FBI, and then not a computer match. matched it, and then it went 100% match, blinking. This um, is a poison tank. But I, I do like this scene. I, I mean, as much as yeah, it is yeah. pandering a little bit, I do like it because you know me. I like it when the agents actually are doing things and do stuff. And I love that she took yeah. his gun. Yeah, I think that's great. They, they were firing it into the water thing, which is awesome. You know, I see it in documentaries all the time. Yep. Excellent. Yep. Excellent stuff. This is law enforcement technique given life. Mm-hmm. I, I dig it. It's good stuff. So we can put together now that someone has been fucking with the apartment water supply. This and is remember, it. Andrew, how it. Mulder has been drinking a lot of water. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, this is the thing. That night, Mulder arrives in a cab outside his building. He catches someone rounding a corner and leaving his line of sight. Assuming it's a perp. Yeah, you've, and, and that it's related to him, yeah. And that it's related to him in any way, All, shape, or form. Although paranoid at this point. So yes, on very brand. much. On brand. <laughs> Somehow off point, but very on point at the same time. Yeah. Mulder cuts th- through the building and hides to catch the suspected perp. It's Crycheck, ladies and gentlemen. Ooh. Mulder ambushes him and they get into another confrontation, ending in Mulder disarming Crycheck, taking his gun, and about to shoot him. Scully arrives to stop the fight before he does. Taking aim at Mulder, she shoots him in the shoulder, allowing Krychek to get away. It's not every day your partner shooting you is a good thing, Andrew. No. But today, I think it's a good one. Yeah, I think that she had enough time to put a bullet in the Krychek, too. She did. She really should have just shot him in the back. <laughs> Fuck you. I have uh, credible evidence that you're a shit, and I should just shoot you too. <laughs> I should do this now. Yeah, her uh, sister would be alive. I uh, I wonder why Scully's there at all. Yeah, just it, it's helpful. It's convenient to the, that she to the, is to the episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, that fight uh, was choreographed between 
David Duchovny and Nicholas Lee because the mm-hmm. uh, fight choreographer was stuck in traffic. <laughs> um, oh, man, how to lose your shot. Classic, right? Uh, and th- they rehearsed it so many times, the the whacking that Nicholas Lee gets, and he, he really gives it uh, in his performance. So much so that R.W. Goodwin sends a massage therapist over to Nicholas Lee's room after the, the, the rehearsals and, and uh, shooting are done. So, yeah, actors commit, man. Absolutely. You got these two, and then you got... Skinner and uh, Mr. X. Yeah. That, that was real, too. That sure was. That was them fighting over the Kraft Foods table. Yeah, that's clearly what that was. <laughs> Skinner took the last sandwich, and Mr. X was not having it. Apparently, I don't know if this Literally is, not having it. No. I, I don't know if this is apocryphal, but apparently um, David Duchovny for years would leave voice messages with Nicholas Lee, uh, accusing him of killing his father. <laughs> I hope that's real. I really do too, because I mean, he's a jokester, obviously, but that would. Be oh funny. yeah, yeah. And just imagine thirty years on, that's still happening. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you for killing. You my killed my father. Prepare to die. So Mulder awakens to the elder Native American and Scully peering at him. They're in a motel room. She explains that if Krychek is the one who killed Bill, his father, then his weapon is going to be the same. And if Mulder had used it on Krychek, there would be no way to prove his innocence in his father's death <sighs> mm. sentence. Mm. Eh. I mean, it would be harder. It would be harder, but not impossible. Yeah. Not impossible. Again, if you shot, if you shot Krychek, uh, I think that you would have a lot more compelling evidence for the, the case here. Skinner's got no love for Krychek. I'm sure he would have happily you know, backed them up in that case. Yeah. I mean, how many cases have they closed with very flimsy evidence? Right. So I think this would qualify. This would qualify. There's a lot more evidence. I don't know. They're just putting more, more emphasis on the fact that Mulder is a suspect in something terrible. Yeah. Uh, So, so anything he does is going to be scrutinized to the max. And well, the way he's been acting is just, yeah. And the plot uh, in, a, in a number of episodes will often go to great lengths to uh, villainize our protagonists in an unrealistic way. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of the movie where they friggin' save, you know, school children and people from a building that gets blown up, and yet they mm-hmm. are called to the carpet for, you know, being derelict in their duty. So mm-hmm. I, I can see a case where even though, you know, they have a dead cry check there. CSM could put his thumb on the scales and sideline Mulder in a way that he can no longer be effective. So I do accept the, the premise of the argument here that, you know, she had to do this split second decision to, to take Mulder down because he was going to make mm-hmm. a dumb decision. I do buy that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think that there are other ways the plot could have gone. She decided to go that way. I still think she could have shot cry check quite effectively She's good enough to, to put a shot like that through Mulder. She could have put a shot like that through Krychek's just put leg. It, put it through. I was just going to say, put it through his knee so he has yeah. a reminder every time he can't walk right. Maybe he'll stop being a shithead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be like, I let you live, but you can't walk right. <laughs> this is what you deserve. Yeah. So Scully relays the info about the water in his apartment building. She found a dialysis filter 
a device used in transmitting substances to solution. And given Mueller's psychosis lately, it was likely LSD. Damn. I would have loved to have seen that scene, though. Uh, Scully taking the 60-pound water tank and oh, yeah. rooting through it to get the dialysis filter. Uh, why am I doing this? Yeah. Uh, I hate my job. And this guy doesn't even like me anymore. This guy doesn't even like me. Yeah. Even after the thing in my apartment. <laughs> Woo. It's here where she tells him he's in New Mexico. There, there is a, a long enough fade in to Albert Holstein's face that I can accept the transition of time. Oh, okay. In a way that we do not have uh, with Mulder's visits to Mulder Sr. Like, it's literally like he says, Mulder, I need you to come over here. And Boop. we have this impression of Mulder driving down the street yeah. <laughs> to pop into dad, but it's, it's Martha's Vineyard. You know what the solution is? Don't put Bill Mulder in Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. You put him in but, Baltimore or something. But he's a rich white man. He has to be on Martha's Vineyard or sure there are plenty of some places other, he could be. No. No, you gotta be Martha's Vineyard or Florida. Ugh. All right. <laughs> but I do I do love uh sorry, I, one more thing I love. No, you're good. I'm just gonna highlight the things I love because I'm often so critical, but uh Scully's it wasn't an exercise in subtlety. Yeah, <laughs> to to sum up the uh, the plot of dosing Mulder, and it is yeah. a clever plot, but I think it's worth at this point reviewing the poisoning of Fox Mulder. Uh oh, because this happens before Mulder becomes into possession of the highly classified, top secret, encrypted yeah. documents. Mm-hmm. So what that says is that the conspiracy led by Cigarette Smoking Man has decided to poison the water supply in advance of this. Either that they mm-hmm. knew the thinker was going to steal it and give it to Mulder, or more likely have already decided they're going to take Mulder off the board by just engineering the situation where he's going to go crazy and probably do something to get himself knocked out. I believe it. I think the whole crusade thing, uh, CSM has a love-hate relationship with Mulder. He's willing to kill him in one scene and then in the other. Yeah. Spare his life. Yeah. Same thing with Scully. Yeah. So I think that he's in one of his moods. He's like, you know what? This guy's been a stick in my ass for two years now. I, I'm done dealing with him for whatever reason before this episode. And yeah, I think he, he pulled the trigger on this really long and drawn out plot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's well. And he sends Krychek to kill Mulder ostensibly. Yeah. Like, are we assuming that was the, that was Krychek's endgame, was to go in and kill Mulder? I think it's possible. Honestly, I don't know why else he would be there. But, yeah. yeah. Have a little confrontation, obviously, but. I think he's just fed up <laughs> at this point. Like, he, he was fed up with Mulder at the beginning of the episode. Then the files got stolen. Yeah. Then Mulder got a hold of the files. Go figure. Go so figure. that just compounds on CSM's problems, right? So he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to take out the Mulder family mm-hmm. and just be done with this nonsense. Well, eventually the files are going to be irrelevant. Uh, right. But yeah. I'll, I'll let you get to that. Okay. Well, the Native American, who has been revealed as Albert Hosting, has been translating the files. He was a code talker during World War II. He claims he knew Mulder was coming. Last week, they had an omen. Mm. Most of the files are written in jargon. But there has been an international code of silence about extraterrestrials dating back to the 1940s. 
Evidence of the secrets is buried here in the desert. Albert will take Mulder when he's able. Scully missed her meeting with Skinner two days ago and doesn't know what will happen now. The two share a moment and he gets up. He thanks her for her help in this. He's obviously coming down from his trip. Yep. He's he's better Mulder. She drops another bomb. Her name is in those files. Something to do with the test, and she needs him to find out what. Well, she specifically says the context is unclear. Mm -hmm. Meaning the code is, again, conveniently unbreakable when the plot needs to be. To the code talker. Speaking of convenience, the fact that Albert is the code talker. uh, Oh, yeah. You know, and he happens to live on a reservation where there are alien-human hybrid corpses. Um, I'm willing to accept it because it makes the episode move forward. But again, there's probably other people that... uh, Gwen Goodenstead, Goodensnake could have pointed uh, Scully towards. Yeah. But it, it, no, no, it's him. It has to be him. It has to be him, yeah. Has to be. It has to be him, so it is. Okay. Yeah. Mulder and Albert leave. He says, Secrets push their way up through the sands of deception. The Anasazi lived here long ago. The name means ancient aliens. No evidence of their fate exists, and historians say they disappeared without a trace. But nothing disappears without a trace. Eric then takes Mulder on his bike to the burial site. As in the beginning of the episode, he points him to the container under the rocks. As they descend the rock face towards the container, Mulder receives a call, and to our surprise, it's CSM. Okay, before you get into this call, though, I think it's worth talking about the quarry. Yeah. Because that set is fabricated yeah it is not in new mexico and uh it's a quarry in british columbia somewhere Mm -hmm. and they used 1600 gallons of red paint from a you know aerial spray to to get the right color that's amazing like (laughs) that's awesome would it not be easier to just fly your production down to new mexico I think so. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, obviously we, we both think so, but boy, like the lengths they went to to shoot there, that was that was pretty impressive. They must have been saving a bunch of money somehow because yeah. <laughs> they would not do this if if it didn't cost less. Oh, exactly. <laughs> right? um, so and I I'd like to see the numbers on that. But for somebody who just got drugged and shot, Mulder is also moving around pretty well. Uh, but that's. <laughs> Typical X-Files heroism, you know? It's like, oh, you know. Oh, yeah. It's Dwayne Barry all over it again. Is... Shot shot in the gut and still yeah. still running around the same night. And I and I do like Nothing Disappears Without a Trace uh, better out of Albert Holstein than uh, <laughs> CSM later. And clearly they dropped the line here so they can reference yep, it later. exactly. But... That was forced. But we'll get to that. Ah, that's a good time. Yeah. I know we're about to hit your favorite moment right here. Yes. CSM wants to know where Mulder is, but he evades the question. He tells Mulder his father authorized the project. Mulder threatens to expose everything, but CSM tries to play the emotional card, expose anything, and you'll only expose your father. Oh, shit. Mulder hangs up and CSM leaves his car to run to a helicopter waiting nearby. A soldier informs him they have a trace and CSM boards. Well, that that answers 
another trope that we often have trouble with, which is the tracing of phone calls. Oh, yeah, the speed. Yeah. <laughs> How long does it take to, to trace a call? As long as the plot demands it should take. And, yes, you know, we yes. almost get it. Oh, we lost it. But in this case, ah. it's like, oh, no, we got it. It was easy. <laughs> Three minutes or 15 seconds. Yeah. One yeah. of the two. And uh, the hangar in the background marked with Altair Aviation. Uh, I love it. Those little real world details allow you to, to geolocate stuff. And this is Pitt Meadows Regional Airport east of Vancouver. Nice. Yeah. Always cool to see that kind of stuff. It is. Uh, let's talk about the train wreck of the boxcar. I'm ready. All right. Back at the burial site, Mulder walks along the object. He wipes dirt aside to reveal a plaque that reads Sierra Pacific Railroad. Eric guides him to a hatch. The two look inside into the black void. Mulder calls Scully from inside the car. Scully. Yeah, it's me. Where are you? Nowhere I ever expected. What do you mean? I'm in a boxcar, buried inside a quarry. There are bodies everywhere. Bodies? Stacked floor to ceiling. What happened to them? I don't know. Mulder, in these files, I found references to experiments that were conducted here in the U.S. by Axis Power scientists who were given amnesty after the war. What kind of experiments? Some kind of tests on humans, but they're referred to as merchandise. But these aren't humans, Scully. From the look of it, I'd say they were alien. Are you sure? I'm pretty damn sure. This one has a smallpox vaccination score. Mulder. Oh my god, Scully. What have they done? Outside, the helicopter is landing near Eric. Soldiers rush out and force Eric away. Others swarm the boxcar and clear it. CSM demands Eric tell him where Mulder is, but the boy stonewalls. One of the soldiers declares Mulder gone. He's not in the car. He's vanished without a trace. CSM tells him nothing vanishes without a trace. He then instructs them to burn it. They throw a satchel bomb in, and as the helicopter lifts off, a powerful blaze erupts from the hatch. CSM, a calm look on his face credits that's it jeez that's it Mulder's not coming back for season three he's, he's, he's uh, dead the scully show now he's a burned up corpse yeah so to answer your question yes that was insanely forced <laughs> well <laughs> not to mention they did it in the scene previous to this so it directly previous yeah it would have been better if it was like spoken at the beginning of the episode or something a little earlier in i mean so much of the dialogue they give albert is not great it's like Fox says, you know, he doesn't understand when um, Albert says you got to sacrifice yourself to the truth. And Mulder's mm-hmm. like, what do you mean? And then Albert goes on to relate a story about the Anasazi, which doesn't explain anything. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, okay, but what do you mean when you say sacrifice yourself to the truth? 
So he like teases out this idea that the Anasazi were alien abductees and the the aliens are coming back and you know, yep. he's saying something he's saying stuff without saying it. And then he's like, Eric's gonna take you out there. What's out there? Oh, you'll see for yourself. No, you can just tell me, really. I've been shot in the shoulder and I don't want to drive around on a motorbike on rocks and stuff. Just tell me. But no, they're gonna go yeah. out there and do it. Yeah, I from the beginning of this episode. I've had an issue with this boxcar being buried in the earth and revealed by an earthquake. Um, because it, it begs a lot of questions. Like, how on earth did this car get here? Like, do you the think there's a rail line there that they just rolled it no, up? No, 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 no. They disperse these things all over. Oh, yeah? I'll die on the sword for that, where they probably just picked a secluded area and buried it. And, oh. Okay, buried it with with what now on the Navajo Reserve? You think the government cares? <laughs> so, <laughs> Unfortunately, they don't. So okay, so they dug a hole with a, a backhoe, and then they pushed the car into it. No, they lowered it in it with a helicopter. Oh, with a helicopter. This is okay. really, really pedestrian, Andrew. I gotta be. <laughs> I gotta be honest. Your, your questions here. I'm are... really picking the wrong hill to die on. Yeah, here. Come on. Okay. Well, <laughs> finally, my issue is with how it's discovered <laughs> that there's these this buildup of rocks around the the top of the the train. Like if it's being pushed up out of the earth, I would hope that the train car's top would be over top of the rocks rather than like the rocks seem to have been pushed aside, allowing us to see the skin of the, like, it. It just looks so clunky. And I recognize that it's probably really hard to make that set. But everything about this is like, okay, I see what you're going for here, but this is all weird. Oh, and why refrigerated boxcar? Like, Honestly, the, the biggest thing that stands out to me, all right. if I might, please, is when Mulder gets to the car, it's in the same condition as when we saw it in the beginning of the episode. Yeah, yeah. That's a problem because Eric brought a body back home with him. Yes. And true. the car is not uncovered at all. Yeah, so. and he's, he's like, here, look, I, f- I, ref- I found the, the hatch, and he, like, digs it up. He <laughs> digs like, it up, so it up. he definitely didn't go in. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's convenient. Well, maybe there's a lot of wind, and uh, <laughs> it, it does. That is a lot of wind. It must, it yeah, must yeah, be, it's yeah. possible. Uh, I don't know why you're picking that apart. God, it's just windy. My God. Whatever. Um, but I do like that when the helicopter is showing up, Eric's first reaction is to shut Mulder in. Yeah. It's like, he's not going to duck his head down and say, Hey, FBI man, there's a helicopter coming. What do you want to do? He doesn't speak in this episode. No, he's just like, oh, shit. Close the door. Run away. I I mean, at that point, there's there's really not much else you can do. The helicopter's right on him. Really? Yeah. No. Uh, but yeah, the, the final nail in the coffin for this scene, I, I don't like this, this resolution because it is, as I think I mentioned, it's pretty clunky, like, especially the, the tie back to the previous dialogue, it seems pretty forced, but CSM's decision to burn it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like, what about, could you take another look, Sergeant? Maybe he's learning his, from his mistakes. You know, they didn't burn the files. They didn't delete them or secure yeah, them. Now yeah. he's like, you know what? Fuck it. Destroy everything. I am taking care of business now. We are on a timeline. It's like, 
he knows Mulder's there. So it's mm-hmm. like, you couldn't spend another five minutes just sort of looking through those bodies. Maybe Mulder's hiding. Uh, I get that you're mean and you're, you, you've decided to take Mulder out, but like this whole, yeah, I threw a bomb in there. He's dead. Uh, I mean, the, the, the escape from Mulder later is a bit hokey, but I just feel like this instantaneous decision to just burn it all is like, there's no reason for it. You got time. <laughs> you know, you could get through there. Nah. Yeah, burn it. They, they knew they had to end the episode. They're like, we are being filmed right now. And we don't have this helicopter for much longer. So it's true. Burn it. We've only got this helicopter <laughs> for 30 minutes. And then we lose the characters the came alive and realized they were filming something. Yeah. And they were like, all right, we got to get, we got to get through this. Well, I mean, obviously the writers knew that this was the end point and needed to work backwards from it. Um, and, and that works sometimes, but I think in this case, it just felt a little bit forced. Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah. You hate the show. So, well, we've established that. I'm not a true fan. Uh, you're not a true fan. Not a you true don't fan. hand wave anything. So, yeah. <sighs> Give me your final thoughts on the final episode of, of season, season two. two. Okay. Well, it is a solid episode. Uh, like a lot of Epsiles episodes, uh, this one runs real fast, like a roller coaster. So, you don't question the plot holes like Mulder's travel from Washington to Martha's Vineyard. As usual for episodes of this caliber, there is enough good stuff to enjoy. You probably didn't recognize it in the moment, or you hand-waved it away like Mike. Mystery of Mulder's behavior really drives this episode. so mean to me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Mulder's behavior drives the episode, and it is capably handled by David Duchovny. It really puts Scully into this impossible position of being his partner. What it really could have benefited from... Uh, is a little bit of closer proximity mythology episodes that get us to this point. But in the 90s, you didn't really have the long-form story arc. Uh, You know, it was all about serialization and syndication, making the episodes Mm -hmm. be able to stand on their own. And we just have to assume that the season finale is just this culmination of Mulder being jerked around, perhaps with some cases maybe we don't see, that lend to this state of mind. I mean, if... Leading up to this, we've had a lot of one-offs, a lot of Monsters of the Week episodes. But if you had a couple other like mythology-style episodes where we see the tension building, then this would really pay off. And I, I'm a bit saddened that they, they didn't get to have that. No. Yeah, I get that. The The serialization of television, it was very different, as as you just stated. I think the the idea of these through line shows yeah. like like 24 and stuff like that really came about in the early 2000s agreed where you know this was still like a let's excite your audience for a week uh with a new story and i appreciate chris carter's attempt to to give the show a through line but yeah sometimes they fall short in stuff we would have liked to see yeah building up to things like this where it's so grand and it's so powerful uh, or at least uh, it intends to be. And there are some things that maybe feel a little undeserved because we didn't get that preamble, that that those episodes that led up to why Mulder's behaving a certain way or something like that. But, yeah. you know, it, I appreciate that he tried to interweave into the one-off episodes like this true story. There's the story that spans nine years or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think the impetus is there for the the shows that would become 
those every episode means something. Yeah, it is a continuous like your Battlestar Galacticas yeah. and yeah. yeah. So I, I think this was part of the step forward, I'll say. But yeah, Ooh. it does falter here and there. Definitely. I mean the the two and three parters that they do. I mean, they are oh, yeah. must-see TV, right? Like, when you mm-hmm. have cliffhangers like this or to be continued, it's like, they draw. And I'm really surprised that they didn't sort of take notes from that and go, you know, we get a lot of, we get a lot of hits when people are desperate to know what happens next. I mean, in some ways, they're kind of like a soap opera. But yeah, I, I think there is that other mindset in the 90s going, oh, well, you know, we can't, these, epi- these episodes are separated by a week. And there's going to be people that miss an episode, and mm-hmm. you don't want to alienate them. You right? don't, yeah, exactly. You, you want to make episodes where they stand alone uh, pretty well, and you don't have to have watched two seasons to, of worth of episodes to understand what you're mm-hmm. watching now. So I do understand yeah. that, but uh, yeah, yeah. Mike, did you have final thoughts? Like the first season, the, this episode really ramps up the conspiracy, and we get real confirmation about Mulder's father's involvement in the dark government. And uh, he's an acquaintance of CSMs, which is a huge revelation. It's a big you know, drop. Yeah. Yeah. That, that in and of itself, like is just that huge revelation. And if it wasn't, we wouldn't have gotten that silhouette shot of CSM that I was telling you about when, before Bill answers the door, mm. It was just a reveal, and it was great. It was like, who is this guy at Bill's door? And boom, it's the the antagonist of the show. Even the pause <laughs> of uh, Bill Mulder before he answers that door, he he knows yeah. who that is. You know, yeah. the, the slow like, oh, this can't be good. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. We can joke about the lengths that the government will go through to to fuck with Fox Mulder, specifically you know, yeah. Poison, yeah, poisoning his water for <laughs> weeks on end. Uh, to make him crazy and start acting weird to get him fired or whatever. All right. Okay. <laughs> it's out there, but it's, yeah. it makes for enjoyable TV and the reveals were fun and certainly compelling. Not going to argue that. Yeah. And like we talked about earlier, it's the impetus of the, the syndicate. And I think we see CSM at least for the moment, turn a page and be like, you know what? I'm going to kill Fox Mulder because this is more trouble than it's worth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can risk the crusade. So there's a lot of stuff happening and there's a lot of different stuff happening. Yeah. For me in this episode, which makes it compelling. I like the introduction of Albert Hosting. We get to see him several more times okay. throughout the show. And I always love to see uh, Floyd Red Crow. He's, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. Does a great job despite crappy lines at times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just think the tension of this episode and the ending is fun. It makes you ask more questions. You know, you know you're not given as many answers, I guess, is the point. Oh, And that's something yeah. that the X-Files really succeeds at a majority of the time, is asking those questions and never getting all the answers. So that's what makes the cliffhanger the cliffhanger, and I think they did them pretty well infuriatingly so like yeah. giving you info dumps in which propel the plot forward and you're like oh but then this and that and why you know it's it's good in that sense but it it well and then they like reverse themselves later right oh that was mm-hmm. all hoax or whatever they, right. they, they do play with the audience in a really interesting way that that keeps you watching right um, 
I think, I don't know. It just feels, I, I do like this episode a lot. It's just a little clunky for my taste. Uh, in, and the worst case example is CSM screaming, nothing vanishes without a trace, you know, <laughs> as a direct callback to something we just heard five seconds ago. It's like, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and plus like nobody says that, you know, in that moment, they don't, he wouldn't say that. Nothing vanishes without a trace. Don't well, you know? I suppose maybe he would cause he's, he's actually Canadian. So yeah, that's true. Actually, it would be nothing burns with Uda Trace. Ooh. Whoa. Nothing, nothing vanishes bird. with Uda Trace. Nothing vanishes with Uda Trace. <laughs> eh? Oh, that's good. Well, shall we read off some listener comments? Yeah, let's, let's go on. We have an hour and 50 minutes just about, so let's, let's get to basically that. basically two episodes. This is a bonus double episode here. Bonus. Yeah. I mistakenly told my wife it wouldn't take that long. Honey, it'll be just in and out because it's, uh, you know, just the season finale. <laughs> Nothing we really need to delve into. Uh, our first comment okay. is from Amy Katanazzi. He says, I'm not going to lie. I tend to rewatch the Mulder and Skinner fight scene. I always <laughs> enjoy a rewatch of this episode and feel for Scully when Mulder is acting so kooky. As in a much bigger ass than usual. Not nice. Wrong. Yeah, not wrong. Solid. Yeah, I watch that every night before bed. Do you do you examine his uh, boxers? Sort of takes measurements. Mm -hmm. A little scaly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. A little fan fiction material with the yeah. Yep. I'm writing it. It's going to be huge. <laughs> In the, it's going to be huge on the text only forums. Oh yeah. For for fan fiction. I hear that's where a lot of authors get their start. Oh yeah. Yeah, I would like to include visuals, but they won't let me. <laughs> I, I, I was banned specifically from visuals. Oh, yeah? Ooh, your little stick figures doing their things? Oh, yeah. They were doing things. They were doing things. Diane walker Renaud. Oh, oh, do I remember the long, long wait between Anasazi and the first episode of the third season. Anasazi aired on 19 May 1995 and The Blessing Way aired on 22 September 1995. True that. It was a four-month wait? Yeah. Yeah, the time between cliffhangers and the next episode on any TV show sucked. Yeah. And can I just say that I can't do it anymore? <laughs> I wait until a show is done or a season is done, right. and then I'll go watch it. Netflix has ruined me. Streaming has ruined me. I ask myself this question frequently. How did I ever wait a week yeah. to watch the next episode? Yeah. I can't, you can't do it anymore. It's true. Is streaming has changed the game. Like the idea of yeah. uh, waiting a week for must-see TV, like it, it was it was what we had at the time, obviously, so we had to do it. But And, the, and now they're fucking with us. They're like, well, we'll release our shows a week apart. Yeah. Fuck you. No. <laughs> I no wait. Well, we're also blessed with a lot of amazing content. Like, right? There are, sure are uh, shows which do that. That's fine. But you and I can wait until they're done, and then we can go watch the whole thing. Yeah. I lament though that uh, some shows really aren't designed to be watched like that. Like Seinfeld. If you watch them, bam, 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 it's a horrible show. But whoa, if, whoa, whoa! Uh, it is. Because if Whoa. You, <laughs> let me you are on case, you're sir. verging on being fired right let now. Let me make my case. 
if you no. watch the- <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm just going to preface your case. Hold on. I'm not even shitting you. I've watched that show three times yeah. this year, back to back to back. Not okay. Not three times back to back, but sure. each time I watched them, it was plowing through it. Well, which I, indicates to our listeners, I have no life at you, times. You've got your pleasures. That is, for but sure. but really a, a bad show. Well, no, the reason I say that, I mean, obviously it's a good show, but the reason I say it's hard to watch like that is because. The week gives you a chance to forget how terrible right. these characters are in a lot of ways. <laughs> so, you know, you get to see this, oh, that's that's offside. And, you know, they do this other thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's not right. But then you can forgive them that week and they get to be kooky right. again. But, and I think that's the point they were trying to make at the end of the show, right? Was that they are awful people. But this is not yeah. the Seinfeld podcast. We'll get there. We might do that, though, right? Actually, yeah, that's my next proposition for you. Yeah, this is yeah, not happening. Our next show, Seinfeld. Podcast. This this is not happening. The only Seinfeld podcast. Fair enough. Well, our next uh, listener comment is from Emily Messenger, saying, as somebody who clearly is a high quality person with uh, great taste in uh, in thinking and such, my biggest hang up in this episode is the travel time. How the fuck? Did Mulder get from D.C. to the vineyard back to D.C. all within a few hours? How did he get on a plane or on the ferry wearing his dad's blood and acting like a psychopath? How did they get back and forth from D.C. to New Mexico so quickly? Uh, Don't get me wrong. I love this episode. I just get hung up on the travel time. It is unfortunate. (laughs) Did you read this comment beforehand? No, actually. Are you pretending to have... Your own thoughts about the episode when I, truly it was Emily's? <laughs> oh, oh, you have I just had outed your notes written out before I went to do that. All ah, right, but I I will say I think the easy fix for this episode would have just make Bill Mulder live freaking closer. You know, don't have this this time sink of of having to make him. They clearly didn't think about it. You know, they're just like, oh, well, nobody will care. Well, they they establish his location. When his sister shows up, right? Yeah, but they, 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 he doesn't have to be living there now. He could be slumming Also, he moved for this episode just for you, Andrew. Just for you. Well, maybe he's lured to a meeting with uh, CSM, you know? And he's like, I wasn't aware I'd be meeting you. Oh. If I didn't no, see you, man. I never would have come. Yeah. It, the X-Files, they have teleportation devices they at times. teleportation devices. Anyway, Emily's comment is not done. Where she oh, says, here it comes. also, I agree with Amy up above. The fight scene between Mulder and Skinner is delightful. I live for angry boss daddy Skinner. And you got to give it more it. sauce than that. Okay. I'm sorry because she's been waiting a long time for me to say this. Emily, we're me. doing this for you. I'm going to make Andrew. I give live it. for angry boss daddy Skinner. <laughs> is that pretty saucy? Yeah. Is that something she'll use as a ringtone maybe? Angry uh, it's up to her. Skinner's eh? on the line. There you go. Yep. I hope it was worth it, Emily. I'm sure she'll enjoy it. Do you want to read the last one? Leave the snakes alone today. <laughs> <laughs> By Dean Roberto. I think that's him saying that's a kooky line. It sure is. But he enjoyed the episode. So that's what I'm going to interpret that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just very liked it, man. He didn't need us to tear his sacred cows apart here. that comment is dripping with praise of the episode sure so. is 
Well, that was a whole lot of episode right there. That is a lot of episode, but you know, there's going to be just a little bit more, Andrew. Oh, what? What? Just a smid- smidgen more. Oh, okay. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are covering the blessing way right now. No, I'm wow. kidding. No, but I did want to tease something. Oh, what are you going to tease? As you know, Andrew, you know. Do I already know this? This is the end of the season. Okay, so, am I done? Yeah, you're done. Can I go home You're then? fine. We are going to do a best of and worst of episode. So if you haven't voted, please get your votes in. Uh, top three, bottom three, just like we did last season. Well, technically, just top three. If they want to have bottom three, they have to make a comment. They actually have to work a little That's bit. True. But That's true. That's true. They will have to work top three on the voting. Yes. And then, ladies and gentlemen, we have another special episode coming oh, in the, the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm not going not gonna to tell you what it is yet, but uh, it, it is exciting. It was exciting for Andrew and I, and uh, we really hope you guys enjoy it. But that will be coming soon. If they make a guess and it's the right guess, would they get a prize? What the special episode would be? Are you buying them this time? Sure. <laughs> Sure, I'll buy him a prize. I like those odds. <laughs> All right. Yes, if you can guess what the special episode is, but you have to nail it. Like you have to, you have to really nail be like, it. this is what the episode is. Yeah. Then Andrew will buy you an X-Files prize um, of up to $20. <laughs> thank you for establishing the budget. Up the to price. $200. Whoa. Whoa. You heard it here first. Andrew said he really likes you guys. He I wants do. to buy you. I like you more than gift. I like this X-Files episode, apparently. So. Whoa. Zoo. Well, yes. So stay tuned for both those episodes, and then we will be on to season three. Oh, it's going to be a good one. Starting with The Blessing Way. Which will round yeah. out what actually happens. I mean, uh, I hope people haven't looked ahead to know what happens uh, after this cliffhanger. Because that would be... Uh, I am making Andrew wait three months. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I wanted to give him a taste of what it was like back in the 90s. Oh, it's been so hard. I don't know what happens next. I mean, I think that this is where they, they write David Duchovny out of the episode. And it's Agent Doggett in season three, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Coming up. Like me, that Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick. Way better than David Duchovny. Speaking of Robert Patrick, is it weird that he joined the show after they had a character named Robert Patrick Modell? Think about it, people. Conspiracies. All right. Thank you for listening. This has been Anasazi and Andrew. If you would like to say goodbye, please do so. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening along with us as we round out season two of Anasazi. It's been a ride, and this episode's been a ride, and we're glad that you took it with us. Forward to talking yes. to you again soon. Oh, and one more thing. No, I'm kidding. It's, it can't be one <laughs> more thing. You've had one more thing this whole... I'm kidding. Oh, you're teasing. You American, yes. you. You American. Burn it! Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review on your podcast app of choice. Andrew and I would be eternally grateful to you fine, fine people for helping us expand and get the word out. Also, we've got a killer group on Facebook. Feel free to join in on the discussion at facebook.com slash groups slash this is not happening pod and become an official member of the syndicate. We do polls and we have questions for every episode to give you guys the opportunity to chime in and possibly let your voice be heard on our recordings. And please join us on our new Twitter at TINHXFilesPod, no dash, to stay up to date on everything, moment to moment. 
Thank you and remember. Burn it!